It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, and it starts now. What's up, everybody? Reggie and Luke back in the lab. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. What's going on, Reggie? What's up? What's up? I was ready. I was like, hey, as the music was going. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Jam-packed show to get into where we're going to break down all the action from Saturday's playoff game as the Wolves take down the two-seed Memphis Grizzlies. Later on, we're going to play What Does It Mean? I'm going to put Reggie on the hot seat, talking Minnesota Wild, some Twins baseball, plus we got special guest Sam Ekstrom joining the show. It's all coming up on the Superior Sports Talk Show. So let's jump right into it, Reggie. We got hunkered down during Easter weekend. It's the thick of spring. Saturday afternoon, we tune in. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Go Luke. ahead. Hold go on, ahead. Luke. Go ahead. Before we, before we do that, before we turn the page on the yep. weekend, what was on your, your Easter menu? Oh, man, uh, so here's what we did. We actually uh, we played it pretty low key ourselves too, uh-huh. and uh, we went out. We found a nice little uh, Easter buffet, Ooh. little brunch. So um, you know you got your uh, you got your standard uh, scrambled eggs over easy, however you like them. Some nice uh-huh. honey glazed ham, yeah. and uh, of course a bevy of options to choose from. So uh-huh. uh, everybody was happy and content. Uh, but again, a little bit more low key this year than I think in years past. But it was nice, Reggie. It was okay. nice. How about yourself? Okay, so I had a little. I, I baked some chicken. Ooh, and yeah, is this solo? Just Reggie in the kitchen? I, it was just. It was just solo this time. You know, no help, I, no sous chef, no, nothing. Just no, Reggie, just one me, on one. Just I me. It. I grew up I in the it. kitchen, so you know, I got a lot of recipes from my mom, my grandmother. So I did some baked chicken. It. Had a little. Look, I had a little. Little like southern style fried cabbage mm. my grandma mm. and mom's recipe and then mm. a little cornbread and then funny enough my mom made some sweet potatoes like mm. christmas time when she came to visit mm-hmm. i froze those bad boys wow brought it out they held the up huh? yesterday yeah held Still up banging tasted just like when she made them the first time oh my goodness i i gotta get well i haven't got the invite yet but i gotta get into the kitchen with reggie one of these holidays and uh always over and check that menu out see what it's all about a lot of high expectations for sure some of these things you're throwing us um okay so everybody's easter was good including the timberwolves again this game went back and forth they had a small lead reggie uh Mm. but you could feel the window of margin and error was just airtight back and forth all the way into the fourth quarter they go into the fourth finally a a little bit of more breathing room and holding on in the end they win 130 117 they steal that first game um you know you start to break down the box score anthony edwards superstar in the making 36 points leading the way Mm -hmm. carl anthony towns we talked a lot about and we'll get into it how is carl anthony towns gonna bounce back from that brutal playing game against the clippers and tyron lose blueprint how to stop him he puts up 29, 13 boards, Mm D-low, 9 assists. I thought maybe the biggest edge, I'm interested to hear what you say later on, was the bench. 23 from Malik 
Beasley. Josh McDaniels puts up 15 and seven boards, four of them offensive rebounds, by the way. Total mm-hmm. team effort, Reggie, top to bottom. Wolves steal game one, who, again, Grizzlies going in. We mentioned this. 19 of their last 22 at home. They were on mm-hmm. fire at home. Okay, Reggie, I got you all teed up. Break yeah. it down for us. What'd you see from the Wolves game one win and just maybe what you thought some of the biggest keys to victory were? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to uh, one of my best friends and, you know, he picked the Grizzlies to win mm-hmm. in six. And um, I, I think, no, actually, he picked the Grizzlies to win in like a gentleman's sweep. And I was just like, dang. What? That's how we doing it. But you know what was interesting is there's something to be said, and and my friend even mentioned this after game one. He was just like, man, I think I underestimated them. Mm-hmm. But there's something to be said about momentum, especially no in the playoffs. And it's interesting because you know it didn't work out well for the Pelicans yesterday. Mm. But but there's something mm. to be said about you know getting a jump start to your postseason. And you know, like I said. Didn't really do anything with the with the Suns. They came out and just still dominated like mm-hmm. they like they should have yesterday. Mm-hmm. But you know, Memphis has kind of been sitting on ice for a little bit. Yeah, the no Timberwolves doubt. were feeling it. You know, fresh off that that postseason win, the play in win, mm-hmm. and they carried that momentum, that confidence into this this next game. Cat obviously had some confidence that he wasn't going to repeat that performance from the last time. He just flushed it. He flushed it. He seemed to be in a really good headspace. Um, he came into the game really sassy, like he did, like, almost like a like a y'all got me messed up type of uh, <laughs> attitude that he had on Saturday. And I was here for it. Like I loved it. Like I love it. M- more of that cat. Like I-, I need that injected into my veins. And mm. I think what was interesting is it was just like, look, man, these Timberwolves, like in games past, in years past. Um, even maybe earlier this season, you know, they 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 allow a team to just hang close like that, eventually tie, you mm-hmm. know, kind of take the lead type situation. Getting into these like slug fests with these teams usually don't really spell well for the Timberwolves and their success rate of winning those games. No doubt. Mm-hmm. What was interesting was they took some of Memphis's best punches on Saturday and they punched them back like before, you know, ultimately delivering like these Superman punches in the fourth quarter. And that was very encouraging to see. You know, it was just one game, and you don't want to just go quick overreaction and say, like, right. oh, man, they're, they're oh, man, it's going to be a sweep. Like, no, yep. I think I saw enough of this game to see that, like, man, like, this is going to be a slugfest. It may go seven. Yeah, no doubt. I think what I was really intrigued about, just stemming off that, Reggie, was that it's it's not the talent on the mm-hmm. roster. That's not the question. We knew yeah. both these small market teams were going to put on a show for the rest of the country to watch these televised games. But it was the inexperience because once you get in the playoffs, it's a whole different atmosphere. And with mm-hmm. this inexperienced young roster – I just wasn't sure what team was going to show up. So Anthony Edwards, playoff debut, 36 points, six assists, two blocks and a steal. I mean, we talked about it weeks leading up to this game. This man just has that ice in his veins. It doesn't seem to matter how bright the lights have gotten for Anthony Edwards when he's had to put the team on his back. He just continues to stay this cool and calm demeanor I've just been so impressed with for just such a young player in the NBA. What would you think about Anthony Edwards' playoff debut? 
I loved it. I thought it was great, man. Like it, it's so interesting because Anthony Edwards is such a guy that doesn't take himself too seriously. Right. He's such a goofball. You know, he's got the flip phone, like just you know, just total flip. goofball. You know, like just just a crazy, exciting, interesting personality, right? Mm-hmm. But when he's out there on the court, he's all business. And I think what's interesting too is you can be all business and and all about fun as well. And I think what was interesting about seeing Anthony Dave, uh, Anthony Edwards in back-to-back postseason games, the play-in mm-hmm. and now this game, is the dude just locks in. And he just has, like, no sense of, like, the gravity of the moment. Like, he's just playing his game. And when the lights are bright, that's when you tell that's when you can tell the stars from the pretenders. And it's just so interesting, man, because like he hasn't been at this level before. He hasn't been on this type of a stage before. And it was funny, like him talking after the game, he was just like, you know, this was cool. You know, yeah. I, I, you know, this is cool. Let's do this again. Yeah, this is cool. I like it. Let's this. get together. <laughs> it's just like, dude, like, are you like, do you understand like or grasp where like, are what you? You have right. just done like, dude, you are killing it right now. Like, oh, and man. it it just doesn't seem to like really even register with him. And I think that's the coolest part about that. But, you know, dropping shots and and, you know, driving to the basket and playing mm-hmm. hard on defense like the dude is what you need for a series like this. Well, I think that's it right there, right? Because Carl Anthony Towns, those are the questions, not about the talent, but uh, again, keeping that cool, calm demeanor, that level head. Uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Beverly brings a lot of high energy, which is great, but sometimes yeah. can get a little messy. So having this <laughs> cool, calm demeanor again with Anthony Edwards, I think it's just shown a great balance for the rest of this roster. I want to ask you about John Morant because it's not often I sit down and just watch from game to game, start to finish mm-hmm. a guy this talented and oh this good gosh. we talked about all week last week you can't stop him you can only hope to contain him they contained him 32 points eight assists uh he dished it out uh dylan brooks had 24 desmond bain 17 but just overall thoughts how you think they uh kind of went out to attack that game plan as far as how they're going to defend john moran you know what was interesting is it was exactly like we said you know yeah. him trying to attack the basket which he did like quite successfully mm. um on Saturday but you know it's funny like it's still when you have the the Wolves playing as well rounded as they played it really didn't like matter that much mm-hmm. and there were times where you know Ja would try to maybe bring the team back into it by maybe shooting a jumper or or you know shooting a three and it's just like that's not a consistent part of his game. And it's funny when you get John to those type of situations, I do think that that is advantage Timberwolves. But look, the dude is amazing, man. He's Unbelievable. like he's like peak Derrick Rose meets, oh, I like that. meets I like peak, that. Uh Russell Westbrook. Like the oh. dude is just like you know, it, it's it's incredible to see like how just explosive the guy is and just how he attacks the room. I think we are really being treated mm. right now. This might be one of the best series 
of the first round of the playoffs just in general just because of the talent that's there the the young like hungry demeanor of mm-hmm. all these guys like you know Memphis has always been known as that grit and grind team and the Timberwolves are starting to kind of develop that persona as well and it's just so funny seeing the two of them just like go at it and punch each other in the mouth and just keep going at it. It's like watching one of those um, like old like Morales Pacquiao fights where oh, they're just man. like beating on each other for 12 rounds. And it's just like, dude, like you would think that one of these guys would hit the mat by now, but it's no. just like they're just beating on each other. Slugfest. And it's it's amazing, man. Like I I I'm enjoying it thoroughly and i'm excited for tuesday to see what ja does as an encore you said it's a treat we're definitely being spoiled again two kind of small market teams i think the rest of the country now is able to really sit down and watch how talented and what the future the nba may look like for the next few years with both these star-studded rosters uh I want to preview game two here real quick before we get Sam Ekstrom on, but real quick, hot seat, and you're drafting a team tomorrow. Who are you picking? Anthony Edwards or John Morant? Who's the pick? Don't do me like this. Who's the pick? Okay, (sighs) I'll tell you what. Going in, I thought it's John Morant. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No disrespect against T. It has to be John Morant. The the guy is just – the way he creates the entire offense and and game, it's just too much for me. It's just too much. But – I think I'm starting to lean Anthony Edwards, man. I don't know. I don't know. Flip a coin. All right. So, and I'm not even being biased because we're in Minnesota. Of course. Of course. I'm biased. I think I would take Anthony Edwards. I think you have to. Because, look, he has the explosiveness that that John Moran has, like, to where, you know, he come down and just, like, obliterate the rim. You know, like, he has that a part of his game. But... You know, Anthony is also improving as a shooter as well. Like, if you need him to get you a bucket, you know, a lot of these, like, step-back jumpers that that he's nailing. I mean, I want that. I Look, I'm a person that is very, like, enthralled by shooters. Like, shooters shoot. And the guy – it's so funny. Like, all these pl- people, like, you know, talk about – how good of an actual, like, basketball player. People like Ben mm. Simmons, uh, mm. Draymond Green. And it's like, look, I, I can appreciate those guys' game. But, like, for me, like, give me a Steph Curry. Give me a, right. you know, a Damian Lillard. You know, give me a, a cat. You know, like, mm. anytime they could just step out and just, like, you know, yoke a three. You know right. what I mean? Like, right. I love that. Um, Joel Embiid. Kevin, mm. I mean, I can mm. watch Kevin Durant play, like, seven days a week like the dude is like he's amazing I think Anthony Edwards is going to continue to grow in that regard to where you know even if it's just like a mid-range like he's going to develop that jumper and really just kind of be like that dog man like that that all-around guy that can give it to you where he's attacking the basket but also you know, step out, like, don't leave him open either because he's going to drain that shot on you as well. I think that part of his game is growing. And for me, 
a person who values shooting, I think I'll take Ant over Ja. But it's it's almost it's a toss so, up, man. It's, it's, it's like it's like you say, you kind of flip man. a coin and and just right. take a guy and, and let him lead you. Right, depends what day of the week, man. Depends what side of exactly. the bed you wake up. But I mean, we're talking, <laughs> we're splitting hairs. But again, I went Ja going into this game, and not that one game shouldn't change my mind that much. But I'm just starting to lean. I'm with you. I'm starting to lean a little bit more Anthony Edwards when it comes to that tough decision. Um, just previewing. Tuesday, game two, 7.30 tip-off tomorrow. Uh, rest assured, we'll be here Wednesday to uh, break down all the action. I, I, let me ask you this, because you know more about the NBA. I'm such a football NFL X's and O's guys. Uh, how do you expect both teams to respond after game one, after seeing what you're seeing? I mean, from a strategy standpoint in basketball, and in, in NBA specifically, does, does the strategy change that much in a seven-game series from – one game to the next or is it pretty much hey good job let's try to clean up this this and this free throws turnovers things like that and let's just go play our our brand of basketball yeah i think it's mostly that you know what's yeah. interesting is like yep. i i so i guess i would say that maybe we might see a little bit more defense like i'm looking at some of these stats like Yo, like 130 to 117 is a very high-scoring NBA game. And it's just interesting because, like, the Wolves were able to get some great production off the bench, specifically uh, Malik Beasley and Jaden McDaniels. And it's like, look, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's fool's gold to think that you can count on those guys to have those type of performances every game. But it's just like maybe it could be a coming out party situation for the Wolves bench because I think coming into that game or coming into this series, I think a lot of like experts probably picked the the Grizzlies as far as like having the the better bench. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like when the Wolves come out and and do that, you know, you got some some contributions from Nas Reed, Torian Prince, you know, you got Malik Beasley, Jaden McDaniels. Like when you got guys like that coming off the bench giving you that type of production, like watch out, man, because like that that starting five is gonna give you what you need. You know what I mean? Like they they've shown that like look. Even if one of us has a bad game, there are going to be uh, two more of us that will pick up the slack. And that's encouraging, you know, going into game two. What I think is going to be interesting is to see if this bench has the same level of production. Because if they do, then I see it being very hard to beat this Timberwolves team. Like I said, they, they, they were kind of like hanging around with Memphis in that fourth quarter and and then they were just like, you know what, we're just going to take this over and and dominate down the stretch. And that was really cool to see. I just want to see if that is sustainable. Playoffs, NBA, a little bit more low scoring, tighter defense. But again, we're talking about the number one and number two in points per game offenses in the entire league. Timberwolves number one at 115.9. Grizzly scored an average of 115.6. So neck and neck. Remember, seven and eight seeds are a combined 0 and 36 <laughs> in the playoffs, by the way, since 2013. So we'll see if the Wolves can keep the magic alive in Memphis tomorrow night. Tuesday, tip off 7.30 Central Standard Time. Rest assured, again, myself and Reggie will be here Wednesday to break down all the action. Coming up, I'm going to put Reggie through the gauntlet with what does it mean. But first, we bring in one of our very own, hashtag one of us. 
Sam Ekstrom <laughs> from Lockdown Minnesota. We're going to talk more Wolves and preview uh, game two a little bit, plus a little wild talkers as they win five to four over the Sharks last night in OT. Follow them on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom. How you doing, buddy? Doing excellent. Uh, good to make my debut on Superior Sports Talk. Reggie, <laughs> Luke, uh, love what you're doing so far. Pumped to be on with you. Appreciate it, Sam. I mean, we're right in the thick of some Wolves talkers. Again, you saw it Saturday. They still game one. Uh, how about just a knee-jerk reaction, some quick uh, overall kind of bullet points or keys to the game that you saw from that game one victory over Memphis? Yeah, you know, I said this on the Ron Johnson show earlier today. Um, the Wolves came in very low on experience, as mm -hmm. were the Grizzlies, and I, I felt like the Wolves were the more seasoned of the two teams. They had the fast start. They had the good finish. Mm -hmm. They were better at rebounding. They were better at free throws. They did all the things that you would expect a team without experience um, to falter in, and they excelled in those areas. And except for a, a couple little runs where Memphis kind of threatened, it seemed like the Wolves had a lot of control over that game. They were the more poised team. They got to loose balls. They were just working harder um, and riding that momentum wave off of the, the Clippers' play-in win. So I was really encouraged that that was a sustainable model that they can continue that forward as this series goes on. Um, they still didn't even get a lot from D'Angelo Russell. They still you know, mm -hmm. didn't get as many free-throw attempts as Memphis. I mean, there were, there were parts of that game that the Wolves had to overcome, and uh, they did so beautifully with Edwards and Cat and Beasley all working really well together. Sam, it's kind of cool to see them actually, like, do this stuff this time, right? Like, I feel like coming here to Minnesota, like, everybody is just always so pessimistic about their sports teams. And it's just like, man, like, it's like, man, the, the Wolves can be up by, like, 25. And people are just like, ah, oh, don't even, don't even fall for it. It's just, it's not going to happen. But, like, to see them actually, like, finish the job and do what they were supposed to do in game one, like, that was pretty encouraging to see. And do you feel like that is going to carry over to game two at all? Yeah, you know, human nature, I think, is is going to lend itself toward the Timberwolves having a little bit of a letdown. I think you probably tell yourself, hey, we did our job. We won mm -hmm. one of two on the road. This game is gravy. We're playing with house money. And Memphis, on the other hand, will go in with all the urgency in the world yep. after having made some adjustments. So I think it's going to be tough to to get that type of efficiency from Cat that type of performance from Edwards on a game-to-game -game basis, um, you might need to fill in the, the cracks with someone off the bench. Torian Prince might not might have to have a big game. Mm -hmm. uh, Jaden McDaniels might have to have a bigger game. You know, so that they are going to have to find other sources. They can't always just rely on the stars. And Memphis has better depth than the Timberwolves. That's one advantage. So I, I think that um, while it's going to be tough to win game two, of course, Memphis is still going to be favored to win that game. The Timberwolves have proven time and time again this year that they can go into tough environments and grind out wins. Yeah. I've seen them do it at Philadelphia, at Milwaukee, at the Knicks. I mean, these aren't easy environments in which to win, and the Timberwolves kept doing that, and you know yeah. that's why they're a 46-win team. You have to beat some good teams along the way. So the Timberwolves are, are not going to be phased, I don't think, by any environments. They have enough swagger, and um, Edwards kind of sets the tone for that. He's just unflappable, and yeah. uh, I think that lends itself well. I could talk Wolves with you two all day. Unfortunately, we got to switch gears and talk Minnesota Wild, who did play tonight. But before I do that, I put I put Reggie on the spot. I got to put Sam on the spot. You're starting a team tomorrow. Who are you picking, John Morant 
or Anthony Edwards. I want I want to get inside the 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 elite NBA head of of Sam Ekstrom here for a second. <laughs> you know, I think Edwards has a little bit more depth to his game. I think I like he's that. got that got that physicality where I like him as a high end defender once he reaches his full potential. Um, I think he's a maybe a better three point shooter than Ja. Ja has not yeah. necessarily been an outside guy. He's more of that slasher, attacker, rise up and dunk over you. He's a great finisher. Um, but I think Edwards, with just the way that he can dictate a game, the way that he can shoot from 28 feet, he can shoot the mid range, he can finish at the rim. He literally, there's no part of the court where he's not a threat. Mm-hmm. I think I like Edwards, especially when you look at his age 20, still the second year in the league, and he's doing this. He's a little ahead of where Morant was in his second year. I think I take Edwards long term. So the Wild ended up winning 5-4 last night. Remember going in, Sam, there was a lot of different storylines. Can they clinch a playoff berth? They needed one point to do so. Number of injuries going into that game. Matt Dumba, Jordan Greenway, Tyson Jost all sitting out. Um, But in the end, it was maybe another uncharacteristic game for Marc-Andre Fleury. But ultimately, Kevin Fiala, I mean, he's playing like a man amongst boys, four points and all. They clinched the playoff spot in overtime. Sam, what was just a couple uh, uh, overall reactions or takeaways from from last night's game in overtime to clinch that playoff spot? Yeah, boy, it's nice to have a guy like Fiala. And there was scuttlebutt that they might, you know, deal him um, before the season or at the deadline that maybe he wasn't going to be on this team long term. And I think he's definitely forcing their hand that uh, they they might need to consider, you know, making him uh, paid up there right up with Kaprizov because just just the subtle things too. I mean, that first goal that that Kulikov scored, just the the tight little stick handle in congestion. He gets rid of the puck to the point you know, a shot and a goal, uh, the way he distributes and the way that he just maintains possession is next level. And then you see what he can do in overtime. Uh, you know, I, I guess he, I thought that he scored the game winning goal in real time. I guess it was tipped in by Spurgeon, but he gets the assist on it. He had four points on the day and on a day when Kaprizov was relatively quiet, he obviously put some shots on net, but he didn't have his best game and Fiala absolutely carried them to victory in a, a tricky, you know, second game of a back to back. Sam, I'm from St. Louis, obviously. So grew up. And I wouldn't say I grew up rooting for the Blues, but like, you know, they were a part of the culture in St. Louis. They seem to be like one of the hottest teams right now in the league. And the the Wilder are right behind them. How do you see things playing out? Yeah, the Blues make me nervous. Um, and and the, way, <laughs> the way that uh, the NHL playoffs are structured, obviously, it's going to pit two really good teams in the first round, which is atypical to what you'd see in like the NBA. I mean, the Blues and Wild, I think both would go into the playoffs thinking we can win the Stanley Cup and one of them is going to be gone in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, the Blues can can put goals on the board, man. I mean, they put six on the Wild on Saturday, turn Damn. around, go to Nashville and score <sighs> eight. They, they're putting up like football scores. On right. Teams. That, that's crazy. Yeah, they... Uh, the Blues are are deep. They're tough. They got high end talent. Tarasenko is unbelievable. Good, good goaltending, and the Wild have struggled in that building as well. They've got mm-hmm. some some ghosts of the past as well against St. Louis. They lost to them in a playoff series when when the Wild were heavy favorites a few years ago. Um, so it, it's hard for me. To, to say definitively the Wild can win that series when St. Louis, I think, has won like nine. 
They're 9-0-1 in their last 10. They're playing their best hockey at the end of the year. I I would be nervous if I were Minnesota. Yeah, little room for error here down Ooh. the stretch. Again, seven games left for the Wild. They take on the Canadians tomorrow night in Montreal as they try to stay stride for stride with the Blues for that two seed. Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, part of the Lockdown Minnesota Network. Uh, we'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks a lot, Sam. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. See you, Sam. See you. Sam Ekstrom. Unbelievable. Good stuff, Reggie. Uh, as usual from Sam, I- I'm-, I'm just curious as we kind of wrap up this wild talk, seven games left again. It seems like when you watch the trajectory of the wild, I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries, still kind of shuffling these goalies back and forth, but you just brought it up. The Blues, they're just red hot right now. How do you see this last little uh, stretch shaking out for-, for this wild as they try to lock up that two seed against the Blues? Man, it- it's... It's going to be tough, man. You just you kind of hope that the Blues just kind of stub their toe because mm. it's just like they're playing like some absolutely fantastic hockey right now. And, you know, y- you want to just give Marc-Andre Fleury the benefit of the doubt, knowing that he's a legend. He he's been through things before but you know it's a little it's a little touch and go yeah. there when you yeah. when you see him mm. giving up you know all those goals like that you're just like dang man a couple like, five hole goals like that's yeah. just uncharacteristic man yeah it's just like look just like kind of how we said with cat like you kind of have to give guys leeway to have a bad game here mm. or there mm-hmm. um and you know good Lucky for the Wild is, you know, when they get into the playoffs, there'll be, you know, series. So, you know, if they do have a, a bad game from him or something like that, then, you know, you, you've you seen enough of him in his career, his legendary career, to believe that he won't repeat, you know, similar performances again. So, you know, you get a little concerned about that. But honestly, man, like this, this Wild team just has a lot of confidence like that, no matter who they get down to, they're always going to be able to, you know, overcome. And, you know, you got a, a overtime goal like that, like, to to go home. Like, I made a tweet last night, like, you don't want to go to overtime with the Wild. Like, it just usually, usually never goes well. Mm. You know, like, I guess unless you're playing the Blues. Good <laughs> well, but, maybe, I mean, yeah. But, but, but. Usually, most times, it goes well for the Wild when you're talking about going to OT. And I think the the team has confidence, despite some of the, the you know, tough losses that they've had here down the stretch. Like, I think they're going to be okay no matter what happens. I don't know how to explain it. I don't know how to put my finger on it. But you just watched last night's game. It just yeah. goes to show you again. They get up to rip real quick. You think, okay, easy breezy, lemon peasy. This one's done. Shut <laughs> off the lights. Let's see what else is on TV. Sharks, they let them back in. 2-2. Two, two. They go to overtime. But it was about 10 minutes left in the third period. Mm-hmm. It's just like they flipped on a switch. From the energy to the speed to, to uh, you name it. Everything they started playing, it was like night and day from the lull that they kind of got caught in in yeah. the second period. Got way outshot in the second period. Uh, still struggling with a lot of Power plays, by the way, that special teams unit uh, continues to look very sub-average as they, again, try to go down this last seven-gauge stretch. I like what you said. Hopefully the Blues just stub their toe, man, because (laughs) as of right now, um, it's not feeling that great as far as just this final stretch and and, and momentum when you look at the trajectory both these teams are on. Okay, it's time. 
My Uh-oh. favorite part of the show. Here we go. I'm putting Reggie on the hot seat. Reggie, are you ready? Let's do it. What does it mean with Reggie? The Minnesota Wild won last night in overtime versus the Sharks 5-4. to four, And mm-hmm. while we'll always take the W, experts will tell you it shouldn't even have really gotten that close. Far yeah. more talented Wild team versus the Sharks. But between Marc-Andre Fleury giving up some uncharacteristic four goals and a power play unit that at, at, at one point deep in this game, Reggie, through, through four power plays, had zero shots. Man. They gave up a shorthanded goal and amassed what felt like to be 50 turnovers. So <laughs> what does it mean when it comes to more cause for concern for the Wilds' final playoff push? Is it flurry, shaky, and inconsistent play in the net as of late or the Wilds' special team atrocities? You know, look. I'm not the biggest hockey guy, so, mm-hmm. you know, I can't sit here and just, you know, act like I know X's and O's and all that stuff. But, like, I think I've seen enough wild games to know that they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you talk about Bill Guerin making these moves here toward the, the trade deadline to solidify the team. Like, okay, we're going for it, okay? Like, we're doing this. And they've responded well to that. And and. I think what I've seen from them kind of gives me the confidence that they're going to be okay. Like they're going to be able to compete with teams and and really be able to beat some teams in the playoffs. And I think, you know, like I discussed uh, a little bit ago, like you would like to think that Flowers performance is something that is a little bit of an anomaly, but, but they went and got him, and they, they traded away, you know, Capo, who we saw yesterday, mm-hmm. but like you got Cam Talbot, and since Flurry has like been here in Minnesota, like the dude is playing some really good hockey in goal, and I think that's the reason why you know you have two guys like that. Like that's the reason why you know when when one guy maybe you know struggling maybe he has the yips or you know whatever the case is like you can put the other guy in there and know that you're gonna still get some high level goaltending from that guy and I think the the Wild have enough depth too when you talk about first second third line all those things like they have enough depth to go ahead and and do what they have to do like you know I thought the game was was over. You know, when they're playing the blues, like, right. And then they storm back mm-hmm. to go to OT. And I think, like, when you see things like that happen, you're just like, look, man, like, even if you don't know a lot about hockey, you're like, okay, there's something with this team, man. Like, I think, I think they, they can do some things. And I think that gives me the confidence to say, like, oh, I think they'll be okay, regardless of some of these, like, shaky things that are happening in these games. Like, they're getting it out of their system before uh, the real thing starts. That's what we hope, <laughs> right. Uh, a double dip in here. I'm going to go back to the wild because the bright spot for the team has been Kevin Fiala. We heard Sam yeah. bring him up. And another monster game, four points last night. He has been a man amongst boys. What does it mean for a possible extension for Fiala, who has earned the right to be paid as one of the wild's top players? You know, it's funny because when we had the the Marc-Andre Fleury press conference Mm. a little while back, the question was asked to general manager Bill Guerin, like, okay, look, you're making all these moves, bruh, but uh, what, what, what does that mean for the future? <laughs> He's just like, man, can I just, what? can we just enjoy this right now? Right. Like, can we do that? And Don't I think, ruin this for me. Right. And I think what, you know, 
is the thing is, is like, look, we really don't want to think about it right now. We don't want to talk about that right now because, like, he will have some decisions to make. And Kevin Fiala is making it very hard on him as far as, like, okay, because there's only so much money to go around. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And and you've invested in, in guys like Jeep and, mm-hmm. you know, Kirill and, you know, you, you, you got Dumba. And it's like, look, like, something is going to have to give here. And, you know, they made the conscious decision, like I said, to to trade capital. They're just like, look, like we probably aren't going to be able to pay him. You know, we, we'll just have to kind of do without and and see what happens with with flurry moving forward. Right. Whether or not it's just a one year like I hate to call it a rental, but, you know, like a, yeah. a one year deal. Yeah. Or will he possibly come back? He's just like, look, I can't get enough of that cold up there in Minnesota. I'll come back for that. Um, but like, <laughs> but like, honestly though, like Garen has some decisions to make and Fiala is playing out of his mind. Right. And I just don't know how that is going to play out because like, He's the type of a guy that you like, look, man, I, I want to keep around. You know, I want to keep building with this guy in mind. And it's just like, well, there's only so much money to go around unless you're like, you know, I don't know, robbing somebody right. to pay him. You right. know what I mean? Well, like, I don't know you how. you get all this money? Exactly. Right. Exactly. So it's just like, I don't know how that plays out. And, you know, you ask, what does it mean? I think it means that there are some decisions to be made that are going to be difficult. All right, last one. What does it mean with Reggie? The Minnesota Twins wrap up their four-game stand against the Red Sox today, hoping for at best a split after losing their last two. More depressing, the fact since losing Byron Buxton Friday, the team has scored just one run in 20-plus innings without Buxton in the lineup. So, Reggie, what does it mean for the Twins' offense when Buxton just can't stay on the field? I mean, look, we got to pick it up. You know, Carlos Correa talked about, like, look, I know what – championship you know play looks like it's like Mm -hmm. okay champion right right, champ time to you know time to buck up like we need we need you to to kind of you know rally the troops and and let's do this thing I think man it sucks like I haven't been here for very long and so many people are just pessimistic about Byron Buxton. It's just like they're yeah. like we're always just like waiting on the injury to happen. And when it did, there were so many people on my Twitter like, "Man, Told here you. we go again." Told I knew you it. So. Yeah, this is the, this is just the least surprising thing to happen. It always happens. It's just like, dang man, like you want to be optimistic. I'm coming in with like fresh eyes to this thing, and I'm <laughs> yeah. and I'm feeling it for them. I'm just like, dang uh, man, Reggie's I'm, still new to this vibe over here. Yeah, we got in Minnesota. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I'm no sorry, doubt. guys. Like, I, I'm sorry. Like, I, you know, he he was playing out of his mind in the spring. Like, he really seemed to carry some of that good momentum over into the season. And a routine play, like something you just do all the time. Thankfully, mm. it's not like anything too severe. Like the MRI showed that there is no like significant damage or anything like that. But it just sucks. Like he and his frustration showed it. He's just like, oh, here we go again. Dang right. it, man. I'm I'm hurt again. Like just sliding into second base, like uh, something it. that he's probably done since he was a child. Like it's it's just one of the more you know, mundane things that they do in base. Like, I don't even think they even think about it at this point. They're just like, oh, I'm sliding. Yep, oh, I'm on the ground. Yep, I'm on the base. And it's just like, 
it sucks because like he obviously is a is an emotional catalyst you know like his energy is just like off the charts and i think guys feed off of that when he's playing well like other guys are just like jacked up and juiced up too and I think that's probably the biggest thing because they have the talent on the bats, but it's just like, look, one one guy can't stop the show. Like you, it's time to rake. Like especially if that's going to be what this team is like building its identity on as as they try to figure out this whole pitching thing. Because like the pitching thing, whoo, Lord, it might be boy, it might oh be boy. a long season. You know, talking about some of this this stuff. Like Joe Ryan was awesome. He was awesome. Solid. But then, Just but then solid. You, you come out and, and Sonny Gray gets hurt in the right. second inning of his only his second start as a twin. And you're just like, come on, man. Like now he goes on the injured list. And you're you're already like kinda, you know, just skating by a little bit right. with your pitching as it as it stands. And you're just like, dang, man, like we just couldn't afford that. So you know, you ask what does it mean? It means that like these bats are gonna have to pick it up. I mean, they already kind of had a little bit of of pressure on them just based on you know just trying to get this this pitching staff in line to try to carry the team, and now they're gonna have to do it even more so. Okay, he did it again. He survived the gauntlet. <laughs> Huge thank you, by the way, to Sam Ekstrom joining us on today's episode. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel and join us every day for another episode covering all the biggest topics in Minnesota sports. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk of the Locked On Sports Minnesota. Peace. Be blessed. Spread love this week. This is Superior Sports Talk with Reggie Wilson and Luke Inman, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.